But first to the recent election in Papua New Guinea, did you realise that since independence was granted in 1975, only seven women have served in the national parliament there? Until last week, when a further two were elected to parliament, might I add, that's out of 111 seats. So what is behind the almost complete absence of female politicians in the country? It's a problem many people and some parliamentarians have been pushing to have addressed since zero women served in the first term of James Marapi's government. There's been speculation about introducing quotas, even commitments to introduce bills which never really eventuated. To discuss the issue of women in PNG politics and to offer her broader perspective on the recent election, formalised this week really, when by a unanimous vote of Parliament, James Marape was installed for the second term as Prime Minister, I'm pleased to welcome GJ Milley, a lecturer in political science from the University of Papua New Guinea. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. GJ, two women out of 111 seats. Was that the best result you could have hoped for? Um, no, we would have um, liked to see a lot of women get into parliament this round. Um, actually, we have 118 seats. Oh. So I think it was, yeah, two months even before worse. elections. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Yes, two months before election were run and we had um, seven new electorates that were um, created. So that's why we have 118 seats. But yes, it, it has been quite disappointing to see that, you know, we just had two women that were elected into parliament. We, we hope to see um, many more get in, but unfortunately, um, that's not the case. Was there a decent slate of, of women, would you say, trying? Um, still, we we did not see a lot of women um, participate in this election. So probably about 160 plus women um, candidates, and that's compared to 3,000 plus um, candidates overall. So that's not a lot of um, participation by women. Gosh, that is amazing, isn't it? Uh, I mean, voting is compulsory in PNG as it is in Australia, and there's an electoral commission at work, despite this quite serious violence in some constituencies. 55 deaths, but that was regarded as better than the 200 that occurred last time. So this goes to the whole conduct, doesn't it, of PNG elections? Yes. Um, our elections are compulsory, but the thing is that um, the race for political power is very competitive. And with competition comes a lot of violence. So this election was marred with so much violence. I think compared to 2017, um, this year was, um, in terms of violence, it was really worse, I could, I should say. Um, and on top of that, there was a lot of um, malpractices in the Electoral Commission, and that didn't really help um, with delivering a fair election. And do you think that women in particular are disadvantaged by this type of atmosphere? Yeah, absolutely. Um, women, are, we're already um, disadvantaged with the culture that we have, which is very patriarchal, um, and men are seen as the leaders. And, and so when we get into election and we face electoral violence, we face money politics, which involves vote buying, block voting, um, just so much that disadvantages, it disadvantages women.
Mm. Particularly in the highlands, I understand. I mean, that's where you get a, a lot of fraud. Uh, and the question is whether that is spreading to the southern parts, which are usually quite a lot more orderly. So uh, do, do any of the Highland women stand? Yes, um, there's quite a number of Highlands women that have um, stood for elections this year as well as the previous years. But unfortunately, we don't see a lot that go past and get into parliament. We just had one in 2012, Delilah Gore, who became the governor for Eastern Islands. But that has been it. We don't see, we haven't seen more women from the Highlands get into parliament. And yet there are areas which are matrilineal, aren't there? They're not all patriarchal. Yes, absolutely. We do have um, some matriarchal societies, especially in the islands of um, islands regions of Papua New Guinea. And yeah, we do have those societies there. But I have had conversations with people from those regions and the leadership with women stops with decisions over the land. Um, and when it comes to leadership in terms of national parliament, they do not excel that far. Mm. Of course, it's it's an incredibly, it's the most linguistically diverse nation on earth, I discovered in this research. <laughs> so that again, um, well, that makes it probably harder for outsiders like women to really gain enough um, clout, I suppose, and, and a critical mass of, of numbers to support them. Yeah, I mean, the, the language is one thing. I think it's more to do with the view from everyone in society of the place where women belong, like women's place in society. So we've, we've, our society is a place where, it's, like I said, it's very patriarchal. And women's place are in the kitchen, looking after the kids, mm. being in the background, not in front, making decisions. That's It's sort of... Um, not not accepted. So that's why it makes it very difficult for women to cross over that, um, that boundary. Well, now the two new female MPs, they're interesting to look at, aren't they? Rufina Peter and Kessie mm. Sawang. Uh, tell us then how they got in. And I think particularly Rufina Peter's interesting because she had some of the male chieftains change their mm. views to vote for her. So, you know, obviously some people can manage to break through. Yes. Um, one thing that is important with all women that have gone into parliament, you will realize that one thing they say is that they have to get sort of permission and support from the male leaders in society to sort of endorse them and support them. If they don't have that support, then it makes it very difficult for them. And both Rufina and um, Cassie obviously have some strong support within their communities, especially from the from the male population, in order to to um, put them into parliament. So, how did they how did they acquire that? Do you, do you know? Uh, um, well, I would I would think that because of the positions and their own accomplishments individually, um, Cassie, an accountant by profession, she held a lot of top positions in government um, departments, as well as um, uh, Rufina, who was also very well known in the agricultural sector, and she was very influential. So I think that their projection out into the community and the things that they do and accomplish also helps them. Mm. Do you think that if 
they could, let's say they could get another 10% into Parliament, would it change the way the country is governed or, is, you know, is it really, is that just tilting at windmills to imagine that? Yeah, I mean, we need. We have not seen women th- that a ten percent women in in parliament to make um, assumptions. But based on how women have performed in their communities, what they are doing to change their communities, their families, um, goes to show that there is that possibility, that high probability that women will be able to perform well, and the country will change. Um, right now, we just have a lot of men in parliament that have made decisions that I think hasn't really helped our country that much. Now, you teach political science, don't you, um, at, at the University of PNG. Are many women taking that course? I suppose that's a very interesting way of looking at it. Yeah, absolutely. I have, I think, more um, female students in my classes than than male students, and there's a lot of interest from the female students in political systems, in understanding the concepts and understanding how politics works. And that's a good indication. And not only that, in other departments as well, in the sciences, um, economics we ha- and law, we have a lot of women um, students in those sectors, yeah. So is it possible that we might start to see them, if they're properly mentored, um, decide to have a go? Yes, um, I've I've had a, a couple of my own friends who we went to university together who ran for elections now and they did really well. So I know and I am hopeful that a lot of these young women that do come through these programs eventually do go out there and run for elections. Is it dangerous to do so if you're a woman, a woman particularly? Would you say? Yeah, yes, it's 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 very dangerous to run for elections. Um, you have to have the support. There have been reports, uh, for instance, my own province in the Simbu province. Some women have been confronted by their own relatives, by the men in the in the communities, telling them that, "Hey, what are you doing? Like, this is not a position. You cannot stand for elections." And they have um, assaulted them. Yeah. Um. What about quotas then? There, there was talk of a bill for female quotas in the last term of government, maybe to secure even five seats, you know, set it aside for women. Mm-hmm. What happened to that idea? So basically there's no political will and support from the parliament and obviously because we have a, a, a parliament that is very biased. We need temporary spe- some form of temporary special measures which is reserved seats in Papua New Guinea. That's, that's, um, that's something that we really need in order to change the game because otherwise we'll have one or two or no women in the elections that keep on coming up. We need something to support women to get in there, not only women but other marginalised groups as well. I wonder if there's anything that interested Australians could uh, usefully contribute here, do you think? Um, So maybe I think in terms of training, um, support in training, I think that would be something that would be important or a good contribution. Okay. Well, well, the Saturday Extra listening audience is quite an interesting one. They might take that on board. Finally, I mean, what do you overall expect from the Merapi government in a second term? 
Well, the Marape government has made a lot of promises, and one thing is to see them deliver those promises and and deliver change into PNG society. We have our economy is going down the drains. There's a lot of poverty, unemployment. These are things that they really need to address. We'll look on with a great deal of interest. Thank you very much uh, for joining us, GJ. Thank you so much for having me. And GJ's a lecturer in political science from the University of PNG, but she's just started a, a, a doctoral course at the ANU in these matters. And so she's going to be there for about the next four years. So we wish her luck.